So welcome to the CEO huddle, a place where we talk to people who are their own CEOs, which is the best place to be, otherwise somebody else is. And uh, today I'm delighted to be joined by somebody who can be called a legend, an often used term, but is, is true in this case, and that's Jonathan Davis, who uh, was a Welsh wizard, played for his home country, and then uh, made the trip across uh, the water to rugby league. Not many people do that. So, Jonathan, great to see you this morning. Looking well? Yeah, thank you very much. It's, uh, I've been called a lot worse than that, Peter, so I'm happy with that. But uh, it's slightly embarrassing when you call you that name. Um, but yes, yeah, uh, nice, nice to be able to join you this morning. It's a bit uh, miserable and damp in, uh, in the Goa Peninsula, but uh, we've had some nice weather. Well, it's great here today. Yeah. Um, and I feel as though I'm becoming part of the Welsh Mafia. I had a message this morning from Phil. Uh, <laughs> yesterday I was talking to Paul Smolenski, and uh, it seems like I've got Welsh people everywhere, but I'm quite happy about that. That's all right. We, we had, I had the um, first time yesterday, after, during lockdown, my mum came over. So uh, we actually gave her a, a cuddle and we made a barbecue yesterday. So first time uh, she's been over since lockdown. So it was nice to see. And my brother, my Phil came over and my sister. Oh, that's good. That's good. So um, I, I looked this morning uh, at YouTube and I would say to anybody, the thing about this is you, can, you don't have to be interested in the sport. If you are, then amazing. But it's about the principles of what makes people like you, you really. And um, there's a thing on YouTube, well, there's lots of, of clips about your best tries. And I would recommend anybody to, to just watch it. And what struck me was there's two themes there. There's either a clip of five or six great big guys desperately trying to chase you and kill you as you cross the line. And the other theme is there's people, equally big scary guys, falling over looking silly as you pass them. And that kind of summed you up playing, didn't it? It was, it was odd because um, I can't, and I've never been, you know, a big guy. Um, and... Uh, I think since I was a young kid, what I had to do was try and uh, utilize my skills and, and evade people. So that having been small through my uh, younger days and having played on the back foot um, with Jude, because I was really from a, a small little village in, in West Wales, we didn't have the pack of forwards to give me good ball. So I always played on the back foot, which I, you know, which was kind of depressing at the time because I um, we didn't have much ball and what, when we did have ball, we had to make most of it, even if it was bad ball, which you can't do at the professional level. So um, when I progressed into my career, um, I found it a lot easier avoiding bigger players, um, no matter what stature or um, you know how much talent they had, because um, I'd always I'd always done it throughout my career. So I, that that was, I suppose my. Uh, my my skill set when I when I came into rugby was my evasiveness because I'd done it most of my life because if you tend I, I look at rugby now and and if you're twelve and a half stone and into a seventeen stoner eventually you're going to break down so um, I just kind of used used my skills um, to the and it was my strengths really but did it you did it annoy them because I remember watching you uh, we used to I'm from Leeds and I wasn't a Leeds United fan so my dad used to take me to Leeds rugby league. And I watched you once, and it seemed like when you got the ball, the crowd were waiting for something to happen. <laughs> it was that. It was, it was yeah, like, I, um, I was trying to describe it to my wife. It's like when Messi gets it, 
and I'm serious now. Uh, the crowd yeah. would kind of wait. Oh, he's good. here. He goes. But the I think there's yeah. I think there's two um, there's two reasons for that is because I went when I went north. It was a big target because I had the world record fee. Um, everyone said I wouldn't make it. Um, so there was two elements to that. One was when they had the ball, I think our own spectators and the neutral spectators said, oh, you'll do something here. Um, but then the opposition uh, spectators would say, right, we've got a chance to kill him now. <laughs> so, there was, so there was different anticipation on, on all, from all quarters. So it was, uh, it was exciting because I realised that because also when people try to kill me, yeah. they would... They'd be, they'd be, they would lose their composure as if to say, oh, hang on, I've got a chance here to make a name for myself. So instead of like practicing what they had, you know, uh, in training, then they'd like, oh, it's, my, it's an opportunity to make a name for myself. And then they would kind of jump, jump out of the line a little bit, which then would expose them and I could, and I could make the most of them. So it was exciting because I enjoyed, you know, I remember going at the uh, Featherstone Rovers you know, old post post office road. It's only a small little place, um, and all of it, all the town was out to watch me. Basically, watch me get killed. And um, you know, there was some uh, old age pensioners, female women, old age pensioners behind Dougie, the coach's box. So, you know, get him on, get him on. You know, we haven't come here to watch the game. We watched. Uh, we come here to watch Jonathan Davis get killed. So <laughs> it was it was different and a very pressurised situation going up there. So what what made you? make that leap i mean obviously you, well you get you didn't get paid at rugby union at that time did you no um we it was an amateur it's, it's, it's incredible to believe it now you know it's a lot of the top sports professional and i believe you have to be professional um you know to succeed now but we were with professional attitudes but didn't get paid so um uh, i was playing for wales and earning 13 pence a mile uh tra- transport expenses that'll be about it and then you play you'd Train the week before, like Monday night, Wednesday night, you go to camp on Thursday, Friday. Then you have a couple of points on Saturday after the international, Sunday lunch with the family and a few points in your local rugby club, and then back in work on Monday. So that's what it was. So when the opportunity came, I, 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 was, I think it had a lot to do with my upbringing because I'm from, as I said, a small little working class community. I was born and bred in the, in the council house in Trimsara, and I, I was born in my grandmother's front room next door to my house. Um, I don't know why I was born there, what my mum was doing at the time, but uh, um, then kind of my father died when I was, he was had cancer when I was 12, died when, he, when I was 14. Um, then I tore my cruciate ligaments when I was 19, when I'd just broken into Neath. And I left school then at 15 because my, my mum needed, we needed the money, so I went, I went out to work. So I didn't have that, those qualifications behind me. And I was lucky I worked. Um, I, I was a uh, financial advisor and I was a contracts manager for a painting company because I left school to be a, a painter and decorator. But then when the opportunity came, um, you know, it was, a, it was a lot of money for me and it was security for my family. So it was a huge decision because I was due to go on the Lions tour in 89. Uh, but then, you know, the, I sat down and discussed the figure with Dougie Lawton and Jim Mills and um, I thought this is this is security for me and my family. Whatever happens in my sporting career, if I get an injury or um, you know, it would it would pay for you know security in my family. So that's the reason I went it was purely financial um, and understanding if I if I failed that 
but we wouldn't be having this conversation now if I'd failed. So it was a big, big step, one of the biggest, you know, the biggest I've ever done. Um, but I had self-belief uh, in my own ability. Um, and I just needed a little bit of luck with injuries. Um, and I went to one of the best sides. So if I broke into that side, then I would have an opportunity to play international rugby. So it was purely driven by, by finances. Mm. Um, but then it was, it was driven by desire to succeed then. Because I, 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 if you'd have gone to me, there's all the money, but you, you can't play any sport. Yeah. I wouldn't have done it. It was purely, it had to be a challenge plus the, you know, the financial security. So when I went there and I, you know, I'd never seen a rugby league game live. So, um, you know, it just, it's a leap of faith. And what did, um, so what, I, what did, what did union players think of league players then? And what, what vice versa? It was difficult because the odd player went. And if, if you were recognised by rugby league, you were a good player. Uh, because they wouldn't buy, they wouldn't buy duds. They went through a part, uh, a period where they panic bought and they bought a few dud players, which they'll remain nameless. Yeah. But they were usually very, very astute business when they say, right, well, he's a good player, he'll make it. He'll also put bums on seats, so we'll buy him. So if you were if you were approached by them, the rugby union fraternity would think, oh, well, you know, that's that's great. It's a you know, it's a it's a feather in your cap. Um, and a lot of the players didn't really care if you went or not because obviously when I went and left Netley, they, they were disappointed because I left a big hole there. But there was a young player coming through, Colin Stevens, who was, who was going to be a fine player. But then again, it's a different scenario. When, when he was playing in secondary to me, when he stepped in now and again, he enjoyed the freedom. Um, you know, that oh, he's only number two. So when I went, he had to step up to the plate. Yeah. So that was a, there was a different expectation on him then. So the most rugby union players uh, were, you know, I said, good luck, and, all, and off you go, it's a great game. Rugby league, um, it was different. There's a lot of jealousy and resentment there because, you know, Golden Bollocks here turned up, 12, 12, 12 and a half stones soaking wet and for a world record fee, yeah. uh, getting, all, getting all the attention. So there was slight resentment and, and jealousy. That was just in my own team. Let alone the opposition. So I decided to, I do in the respect of um, first and foremost my own teammates. Um, but they had, yeah, I, I think it's like anything else. If you if you come in, work hard, listen, um, and then you know show what you what you can do. Because ultimately, if it, if it was benefiting the players that I that I signed for, because I was scoring tries and kicking goals with their help, and I become part of the team. So ultimately, we all strive, you know, for success. Mm. And and was that uh, drive to so everybody wants you to fail effectively? Yeah. Except the home team fans, I guess. So is that fear? Uh, well, if it is a fear, what what's the bigger driver? Is it is it to get success or to not fail? Do you think? Ah, that's a good question because I, I always look at when I commentate now, I see sides play. One, there's a difference between wanting to win and not wanting to lose. If you get my drift, psychologically, it's different. You play differently um, because you play within yourself when you don't want to lose. Um, but when you want to win, you, you just give it everything. So it was, a, it was the same. Um, I think if you once I made the grid, I would not have been 
happy with just being kind of um, average. I knew my own capabilities. I was, I'd worked hard to be top of the tree in union. Um, I was fiercely determined. Uh, I, I had a good work ethic. I'd had knockbacks in my personal life and my rugby career through injury and not playing for Wales at any level. So I'd, I'd, I'd come out to be in knockback, knockback, but it, it kind of drove me and motivated me. So um, so when I had that lucky break for Neath, then I worked even harder. So when I went to rugby league, I was determined that if I they, they, I would show all my skills off if I made it. So it took a little bit of adjusting. The game is totally different. Um, I absorbed everything in like a sponge, but I also looked at my opposite numbers, um, uh, see their weaknesses. Um, and also what I did was I, I compartmentalized things with my wife. I put, you know, I made sure that my family were fine first. So, you know, it's simple to things like um, a DIY guy or an electrician would come in and fix anything if it wasn't working. Yeah. That she, my, you know, my wife wouldn't ring me um, during training, schools, um, kind of doctor surgery, dentist, make sure that all, all those were planned first so that we could get on with normality and I could you, focus on my job. You all moved, yeah? You moved north. Oh, I did, I, and I what I did as well was I could have moved and lived in you know North Wales or Chester, yeah. but I thought if I'm if I'm doing this move, I am moving right in the mix. So I lived right in I lived in Warrington and Widnes while I was there, right in the middle of it. Because when you win, you kind of get the floor this, and you kind of have the atmosphere. And I I loved a couple of fights after the game with the players. So we went out and, and mingled with the fans. And whether and if we lost. You know, I would, I'd, I'd be in there as well, taking copying the flak as well. So I, I thought, right, if I'm doing it, I'm doing it properly, and I kind of immersed myself in, uh, in northern life, so to speak. Right, right. And wh- which was, which were you better at? Which was, wh- <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's, it's difficult a question to answer because um, I think. It's what part of a team you're in. Because when I played for Clenetli, I really enjoyed it. And it was a brilliant side. And Neath. So and when I played for Wales, we weren't maybe as good. Um, and dominance in the forwards was critical in rugby union. So I didn't have a lot of ball on the front foot. Um, but when I went to rugby league, I went to a good side. And uh, and then I kind of flourished. Uh, in, I think I played my best rugby. When I went when I went to league and the game maybe suited me better because you weren't so dependent on the forwards you still were uh, the forwards played a crucial part in the game but um, I think you had you know six tackles ball went to you so you had an opportunity um, all the time so I think that having been born and bred in Union and achieving what I did you know is was an ambition for me I I just I fulfilled an ambition and a dream uh, playing for Wales and then it was more of an achievement playing for playing for grit. Great Britain because of the you know the doubting Thomases and I, I only started playing rugby league when I was twenty seven. Yeah, yeah. I remember one of one of the my most uh, awful moments were when you battered Leeds twenty four nil. That semi final. Yeah, I think it was, might, it might it be in the semi. Was it a final? No, I think I, I'm not sure. We um, maybe it was a semi final and we'd failed on numerous occasions to get to Wembley, and this was the occasion we. Um, it's not very often you can enjoy your result, but we were so far in front at that particular time we could enjoy the the, the last ten minutes. And I remember I we played in, in centre. No, I know. Well, hey, that's. I think that's what sport. That's what makes sports so different. 
And when you when you look at pop stars and rock stars and films, you know everything. They know what's coming up next. In sport, you prepare, but then once the first whistle goes, you know it's all kind of reactive stuff. Then uh, or it's it's and that's what like no with, with this lockdown, everybody's watching um, kind of old matches, football, cricket, rugby, rugby league. Yeah. It's not the same because you it's not the same because you know the result. You yeah. watch sport mm. because you're not sure what the result is going to be. And that's what and that's what makes sport so so different, I suppose. Yeah. And watching uh, Premier League today with no crowd um, just seems weird. But do you yeah. think do you play better with the crowd or or with an empty stadium, can you just be more free? I think it's. I think it's. Um, I think it's one of these things. When you, it's like everybody in every sport, whatever sport you've played, you start off at a young age, and then you you go and play in school fields, you go and play in park fields, and there's nobody there watching you, so you have to perform in that environment anyway. So I, I actually, you know, when people say, oh, you've got to create your own atmosphere. You've got to create your own atmosphere, you know. And when you go away from home with crowds, you've got to silence the crowd, so nullify the atmosphere, you know. So it's psychologically, it's very, very different. But personally, because I really enjoy playing as a, in, in away villages and in, and in away, away school parks because that was a challenge in a different environment. You know, the pitch is still the same. But then I really enjoy playing uh, in front of crowds. Uh, because that's what you try and achieve, you know. If you're, you know, if, if you, the bigger the crowd, the more successful you've been, I suppose. And I, I really try. I didn't like, for example, before it, it went totally professional and it's team ethic. I mean, you have to go out and train together and warm up together. And I used to sit in the change room, do my own stretches, do my own warm up. Then I had to focus and visualize what would happen during the game if somebody shot out the line or this player came at me. What I would do. And and then, funnily enough, during that game, it's been a bit of a, a deja vu of what I sat down and, and saw before before the game, and then it would happen. And people say, "Oh, what did you do then when you saw when when that happened?" You don't know because you act on instincts. And then, so when I came when I when I spoke to some good team managers, I said, "Look, I don't because when I I sat there and then I wanted to walk out at two minutes to three when the ground is full." I didn't need to get worked up and focused, you know, before that. I was ready at three minutes to two. When I, when I went professional then, everybody had to walk out and run about the two o'clock and stretch outside, mm. which didn't help my game. So the better managers would go, right, do me a favour, come out with a team and then just wander back in. And you be part of a team, so wander back in after about two or three minutes. So I'd keep the team happy and then he knows that he would get the best out of me by me focusing on what I, you know, what I wanted to do. So right. I enjoyed... Sport to me is... I don't miss it now because time age catches up with everyone. But when you, sit, when you sit and there's a knock on the door and then you walk down that tunnel, whether it's, you know, my local village, whether it's... Norton Park, Wembley, Cardiff Arms Park, when you walk out on that pitch and the whole stadium erupts, right? It is the best feeling you'll, you'll ever, ever feel. Yeah. I, I, I think unless you've done it, you probably can't imagine that. But what's, yeah, and, yeah. what's it like the first time you do it, though? So the first time you walked into a, a stadium of, you know, 40, 50,000, did you think... Were you more nervous? Because obviously, over time, 
that became yeah. a bit of a, of a. No, I was, I was, I was always nervous. Every, whatever level I played, whatever sports I played, Liverpool, I played a lot of five-side football in the summer to keep fit. Um, I always, I always got nervous before a game because I felt if I didn't get nervous, I, 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 I didn't care about it, the result. So the nerves, you know, was was there in the, in the stomach and that nausea feeling was there for a reason because I cared about it and I wanted to win. You know, everything was all in sports about winning. Doesn't matter what you say about performance, this and that. I know we build. It's all about the result. So um, I was, I was always nervous, and I always knew I would be nervous. I'd be nervous in the morning. I try, you know, eat something light. But then, as the as the uh, the afternoon and the kickoff came close, um, I more controlled. And then once I was on the field, um, then you'd have to overcome because it's you have a if you have a, if the fear of failure kind of controls you yeah you're not going to perform at your best so you know the ner- I enjoyed the nerves um and then but you, you you know I controlled them as I went on then so yeah. it was uh and that, and that was the same you know, the only thing if you make more mis- if you make mistakes in front of bigger audiences you know you get you know more coverage but ultimately for me it was all about um, you know going out there and trying to en- enjoy it because international rugby you know we only play about five or six times a year so for me that was a stage to perform and I wanted to perform at my best. Um, so if I'd have had, you know, fear of failure, I, I wouldn't have been able to, you know, play as freely as I, you know, as I wanted to. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned you losing your dad there, and I wonder whether um, often when you talk to people who've who've made it in in any walk of life, there's always something that is is in the background, <clears throat> and that that's a, a life changing moment, isn't it? Do you, how do you think that influenced you losing your dad at fourteen? Oh, straight away, you tough, you know, it um, kind of toughens you up mentally. It toughens, just toughens you up. And having played sport, um, you know, from the age of about eight, it kind of it was it was it was. I don't know. It's very difficult to say how it affects you at that age. But you know, you, you take responsibility of your mum. You haven't. You make more decisions on your own because you know. You, if you've got big decisions in your life to make, you you go to your dad. Hmm. But if there's no one there, you don't want to worry your mum. So most of the decisions I made, you know, were, were on my own back. And I always went to kind of a couple of good friends that I knew to take advice on board and then make a decision after speaking to someone else. Um, so I just it just hardened me. I think it did it did really harden me. Hmm. Um, and my mum used to stay away in Cambridge for months on end because my dad had liver transplant. So being away from both parents, you know, you have you have to really toughen up. So I was I was um, aggressive, you know, maybe you wouldn't you didn't look it, but I was a very, very very ferocious competitor. Um maybe not the cleanest sometimes, you know, when on the pitch, but if someone has a pop of you you've got to, you know, give it give it back you know, sometimes. But um I was a ferocious competitor and I think that came then from the death of my dad. Um I, I became really, really hardened, um, and coming from that kind of working class background, it, it drove me to be to be successful. I wanted to be better at rugby. No qualifications, then you know I had to kind of start working by as a painter and decorator. And most of my jobs at the moment have been um, from kind of sales. Then, um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I've done a lot of work. Um, during my rugby, I've worked through. I've actually worked throughout my rugby career. I've never been 100% professional because I've always wanted to work 
alongside it is that it gives me a sense of reality uh, because you're in a privileged environment in sport. So I, I wanted to kind of work as well if I could because it kept giving me a perspective on life. Yeah, but he was a he was a rugby guy as well, wasn't he? And yeah, when you lost him, did you ever think, well, I can't be bothered with rugby anymore? Because you, you'd really lost that connection, hadn't you, with why you? I had, I had. Yeah, my dad would drive me everywhere and um, tell me, oh, you know, you got to look good, even if you're not good. That'll baffle the opposition for ten minutes. So I looked at my socks and my shoes, you know, prim and prop and polished and tie ups and everything. So. Um, and uh, it was it was odd and then when I went up to when I started playing um, and again I had no international honours till, till I you know till I was in, in senior level um, but I think tearing my cruciates is never never a good thing but I was I didn't play it wasn't like now where you get an injury and you're on the you know you're on the operating table within three hours and you're back playing within six or seven months I had to wait for NHS um, appointment um, then the surgeon said if you don't have an operation then you'll never play again so and I worked I worked my socks off 14 months to get back and during that 14 months maybe that's when I I, I fell in love with rugby again because maybe playing from the age of 8 you get to 19 or you've had a guts full that my dad died I haven't played for Wales at any level I could I could just throw the towel in I, did, I was working in an open cast uh, mining facility outside my village for 25 years work. I worked six till six every day when training and then 12 till six on a Saturday when to play against like Cardiff or Swansea for Tlenethi. So I could have just gone, yeah, you're right, for a full of this, I'll do my job, be normal. But that, that time out of the game, I think I, I fell in love with and I missed it. So that even drove me harder then to get back and the training I did on my own to kind of uh, to rehab was was you know was was very very difficult and um, but afterwards and it was it was worth it you know so. yeah and did that make you a a bit more of a loner because I think you know wanting to be in the dressing room and not getting involved in all the stuff did it make you kind of more isolated in yourself do you think no no I think I think when sometimes. I'm a very, I'm a, I'm a people's person. You know, I, in lockdown, if I'd have been on my own, I think I'd, you know, I'd have gone nuts, right? Um, I need people. Um, I bounce off people. Um, but I, I knew I needed to work on my own to get back. I didn't want to be like part of the furniture coming in, or, you know, and then just not playing. I did come in and take the mic out of the boys and they take the mic out of me. And then I go and do my own stuff. So, you know, and, I, and that's what I've done. I'm, I'm very, I've, it, was, it was odd. Um, like yesterday, it was um, 20, 23 years anniversary and I, I lost my wife through cancer. Mm. And a seven-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And I don't usually put things like that on little things. So I just put something out yesterday. And one of my close mates, like, texted me back going, um, oh, sorry, you know, it's sad day and all this, but the one thing you're great at, people love you, is your communication and your relationships. And I and I, I really really appreciated that because I think that's what I'm like. I, I've I've been honest. Um, I've been larger than life. Some sometimes uh, I can laugh at myself. I take a piss out of my mates. They take a piss out of me. Um, and I think that's I've, that's what I've enjoyed in sport, and that's what I've taken from sport into, into my business because because 
I've I've been a brand ambassador for like HSBC, um, BT. Um, people laugh at me when I say Guinness and Heineken, but someone's got to do it, I suppose. Um, and that's I think that's what I've been. I've always been a, a people's person, so I've always had to be involved with people. So even when I was on my own, in the darkest of times mm-hmm. in my personal life and in my uh, sporting life, I've I've had to compartmentalise and say, right, I've got to do this now. I've got to do this now, and I close that lid, go into another box, and and that's what it is. I think it's important that you know communication is 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 huge you know and and talking things over is is important yeah and and that's when uh i mean i know you've involved in visit valendra charity isn't it yeah it is yeah Um, valendra is a cancer hospital in cardiff yeah and there wasn't one um when when your dad was going through that and so i mean you've raised a fortune for that haven't you yeah it's it's just Something which has been, you know, I, th- I think people say, oh, you know, give something back to rugby. Why haven't you gone into coaching? Because it, it hasn't, had, it hasn't happened because I'd gone into the media world and you, it's conflict of interest. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have wanted to do that if there was any conflict. So the Valindra thing was just uh, by chance they asked me if I wanted to be a patron. There wasn't a, anywhere a cancer hospital. No one really knew what cancer was back in the seventies. So. Um, my dad had to go to Adam Brooks in, in Cambridge of the operation. Um, and the, as I said, they were away from us for a long time. But when my wife was diagnosed with it, um, there was a, I lived in Cardiff um, and it was only about two miles from the house. But the brilliant thing was I could then take the kids to school, um, go and see my wife, go and do a bit of work, go back and see my wife, pick the kids up from school. I actually moved my mum and dad up as well then to live in Cardiff for me. Um, so they helped me while I was there. Um, but then they asked me to be a patron. I became a patron. Um, and then about 10 years ago, they asked me to be a, a, a president. And I just thought, right, this is an opportunity to kind of really help Valindra uh, and the NHS. So I, I just started going about creating this culture and a team environment and raising the awareness of this, uh, of this cancer through, you know, the help of everyone there it's a brilliant first of all it's a brilliant facility with amazing people dealing with cancer patients every day so i can't i go in now and again i see everyone i know the chief medical uh, officer there um so i i you know i've become close to them and that's all i've done is raise the awareness and create an environment where people want to be part of it so if anybody wants to raise money for, for some charity and everyone's been affected by cancer in some way, mm-hmm. they, you know, they, they donate to us and um, I send videos to people of the challenges and I say, you know, and thank you messages. I've built a team like um, Stereophonics have helped, Manic Street Preachers have helped. Um, then you've got Gareth Bale and Geraint Thomas and Sam Warburton are now patrons because I pestered the life out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got Shane Williams or Martin Williams, the soccer, the soccer people have. So, yeah, we've raised in excess of like, uh, I think about 31 million in Amazing. 10 years. Yeah. And even in the darkest times now with COVID, you know, everyone's been doing uh, charity rides and charity walks and charity keep me up and all that. And they've all given the money to, to Valindra. So, you know, I think it's, they thought they were going to, all charities were, were in a, desperate place but i think you know you know the great british public have uh again you know helped out immensely and um, and raised a lot of money for, yeah. for their respective charities yeah that's great um i i went through that with my mum and she was a, a nurse actually at leeds infirmary all her life and 
I thought, you know, we, we clap for the NHS. Yeah. And I say, you know, we should clap every week because yeah. Yeah. She, was, she was on a bus at seven in the morning, was, was in open heart surgery, sometimes wouldn't come home for 16 yeah. hours. And, and when, you, when you're involved in that, you just see some amazing things, don't you? Oh. I, I remember we did it, we, did, we do all these charity bike rides. And um, again, I want to make the people enjoy it. It's tough, they raise money. But I say, at the first, we went Boston to New York, San Francisco to LA. Um, we've done um, uh, San Francisco, yeah, LA. And I think, look, we've all done it. It's a tough job. Everybody's fitness is different. But the important thing, we're a team. We all sit together. We look after each other. Everyone starts together. Everyone finishes together, okay? And um, I remember after at the end of it, I had to say a few words, emotional words. But Tom Crosby, who's the boss in Valindra, got up and his first line has stayed with me for 10 years. He got up and said, everyone is half drunk and I'm going to laugh at he's finished. And he, he showed up and he went, I deal with death every day. That was his opening line. And I just went, oh my God. You know, that's how to get the, the room's attention. Yeah. And that stuck with me every day. When he said, I deal with death. Every day. Amazing. That is one statement. I always remember um, going to see my mum at the hospice, and, and round the corner there was this big hedge, and round the corner was a Marks and Spencers, and it was in a nice part of Leeds, um, a very affluent part of Leeds. Must have been Marks and Spencers there. Yeah, yeah, and people were in there, and this woman was complaining because there was no fresh strawberries. Like really complaining. And I remember coming out with my sandwich and walking back around the hedge thinking, the people on both sides of that hedge, it's, it, it's just two different worlds. And it, it's always stayed with me that, you know, the strawberry didn't matter around the other side of the hedge, did it? No, and, and also, you know, when I went to Addenbrooke's Hospital, there were more patients in Addenbrooke's Hospital than in my whole village. Wow. I, I couldn't get over the size of Ardenbrooks and there was a church inside and everything. I just, and then, you know, going up to Ardenbrooks and standing and seeing, and also the, my dad with the, the drip and everything. And I was driven up by my uncle and it does toughen you up. When you, when you stand there and the lifts doors close and you, when you're waving goodbye to your dad, thinking that might, that might be the last time I'll ever see my dad alive. Yeah. So that, it does toughen you up, you know, a lot. And um, my kids tell me, no, oh, there's no grey area with you as a dad, it's either black or white. <laughs> I'm thinking, look, life's for living. You know, no one enjoys going out and having a, having a laugh, and I do. Um, but then when the serious stuff comes around, I'm very clinical and very direct yeah. and, 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 and disciplined. And I think it's sometimes when you go through certain things, that there's important things in, in life. And there's some things aren't as important. And yeah. I think this lockdown has kind of has, has resonated with a lot of people that has. Yeah, I think you're right. So we, we are short of time because I know you've got to go and do something. So um, a couple of things I've got to I've got to ask you. First of all, my local delicatessen is a he's a Welsh guy called Luciano, <laughs> Luciano Borelli. Can you believe that? <laughs> okay. And, and yeah, they're all, they're, they're him, all in the Ronda Valley. When I told him about you coming on, I mean. Oh my god! Oh my god! He went crazy, and he's from Lunesley. So is he? Uh, oh god, yeah. He, so he wanted he wanted to say hello and to say that. That's good. 
you devastated the town when you left. So thanks. I know. Don't worry. Don't worry. Look, you know, I, I gave him a good time while I was there. So and I uh, and I and I helped, I I helped the economy with the local bars and nightclubs while I was there. So I'll tell him, you know, we both left. He was and it hasn't changed. Yeah. Um, so then I've got to ask you, wh why do they call you Jiffy? Oh, this is like you know, I don't like saying this because it's bloody boring. Uh, I went to Nice and um, we we kind of collected all the hardest men in West Wales um, to come and play for Neath. And all of a sudden at 21, Brian Thomas, who's the metallurgist um, qualified Cambridge Blue, um, he, he made me captain at 21. I was like, oh no, am I going to control these loonies? Um, but there's a guy called John Griffiths. His name was Jiffy. And as I came in, he was going out. So the boys went, Jonathan, Jiffy, right, he's gone, Jiffy's gone, Jiffy's in, you're the new Jiffy, job done. And when I see this Jonathan Griffiths now, he goes to me, you know something, I'm the real Jiffy, not you. And I went, I'm sorry, mate. <laughs> that's it, that's it, as simple as that. Right, so your best moment ever in rugby? Oh, I've been very lucky, you know, it's, um, but ultimately it's playing for Wales the first game. Nothing nothing ever you know give me that feeling um uh, you know especially my mum was in the crowd and my my and my wife and then and sister and everyone and then you know looking up and singing the anthem and now my dad wasn't there and he wanted me to see me play for wales so playing for wales first time definitely a highlight of my rugby career right best try can you think of one i've been very lucky i've been very yeah i've been very lucky my best tries on television, yeah. and usually, and usually when my contract's up, <laughs> which is good, I go straight in and negotiate another contract. So, uh, I think the two that stand out, I was, I was, it was a couple in Halifax I scored for for Warrington, uh, one against for Widnes in Wakefield, which is lucky. And whenever I go up north, or people said, oh, I remember that try in Wakefield, I remember that try in Oldham and Fenston. Yeah. The two that stand out in my career that kind of people talk about. One is I scored a try against Scotland uh, for Wales. Um, I kicked through and grubbed through on, on grandstand. And then um, the, the one in Wembley then against Australia again, you know, the, the whole uh, occasion, I think, and the score a, tr a, tr a try which people like yeah. uh, at Wembley is... Um, those two that, well, it's, yeah, it was about 60 yards, I think, uh, but, um, you know, felt like 90 yards. But, uh, yeah, against when you score against Australia rugby league, it's... Uh, it, I, but I, I was very fortunate. I, I scored a few against them, which... Those two stand out, and those two are the, are the most people talk about. Right. Is it true that if somebody's chasing you, you run faster? I think it is. Yeah. I don't know why, but, um, you know, like I'd have misspent youth being brought up in the council estate and running away when you've stolen a little, you know, chew it or something. <laughs> is, uh, it's quite scary. That's an adrenaline rush when you're running away from someone. So it's, uh, no, it's, yeah. I think it is. And I think you get this awareness of where people are. Even they're behind you, you can feel a sense that they're there. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, I think you, yeah. you run slightly quicker when being chased. It looks like it. Um, so what would you say to the 20 year old you? Uh, get a qualification. That's the first thing I do. I would say, right, look, you know, make sure you stay in school. And any you know, uh, guy you want is in sport, make sure you have a career running parallel to it no matter how much time you can put into it because you have something to fall back on so um, I, yeah, maybe that was the big thing I would have loved to have, have, 
stayed in school and you know gone to university or something like that that's that's the one thing i would have done uh, all maybe not go to universities university is not for everyone but go down a route which you know you're, you're gonna have an occupation to fall back on right okay and i'd like you to think about going for dinner with four people and could be any four people um ideally not not existing family because you can do that anytime yeah okay well ob obviously my first one is my dad yeah you know and i'd um you know from the age of 14 to 50 and 58 this year so um you know i think there'd be a lot of things that I'd, especially the good things that i've done and some of the bad but you know i've been on the front page and the back page of the daily mirror on the same day which is not <laughs> great my mum my wasn't very happy with it but um you know it's it's so my dad would be a massive conversation to catch up on and looking how i've done and my kids and and everything um i'm not sure i'd love to go someone with um someone like i like i'd have billy Connolly there right um uh, I'll be one. Uh, well, it's very difficult. This because I'd love to sit down. You know, someone like Trump. You know, you think, I think, what is he like? You know, when he watches, yeah. in terms of things he's doing, I'm thinking, yeah. well, maybe. Uh, but I, you know, someone like um, so my dad, Billy Connolly. Uh, I saw such a tough one. This is. Um, I really thought about it. Are we putting Trump in there as well? I don't know if I should or not, because if it go political, everyone goes nuts tonight. So, uh, no, forget. I think Billy Connolly would be able to deal with him, though, wouldn't he? Yeah, it would be good. And then you'd have something, if you had Trump, and then you have... Oh, hang on, just, just put, let's get Trump out, get <laughs> Man, Man, Mandela in, and oh, yeah. someone like... Uh, uh, what else would I have? That's what someone like Elvis, I suppose. Oh, thanks. Oh, amazing. I always want yeah. Elvis there. He'd be, you'd have, you know, yeah. yeah, you'd have something like that. You know, this, I, I, you always think sometimes, would you put Muhammad Ali in? But, or yeah. would you put George Best in? Or would you put Maradona in? You know, those are the ones. But I, I think sometimes it's very, of, of just picking three, you know, you could, um, you'd have to have, the thing is, you'd have to have a laugh. So any, if it went to be serious, you'd have, you know, Billy there to, uh, yeah pull us back into you know reality that would be a good table i think your dad would enjoy that table wouldn't he i think you would yeah i think he, i think you would. i think i'd enjoy it that's, that's <laughs> uh, but it's all i think it's all you know like i said it's all about people and the, you know the work work i'm doing i've done with you know the companies and i'm, I'm just starting a new company i'm gonna i'm gonna start working as a, a business development uh, director with uh, gallagher insurance okay. and that's and, and that's all about just meeting people and building relationships and i think that's i think that's been the same throughout my life i think that's what i've been lucky i've been lucky to to communicate you know as a as a friend uh, as a business associate as a teammate as a kind of captain and i think dealing with people people say what's the most important thing and i think it's man management mm -hmm. i think it's dealing with people and how you react to people and how you are with people and when my dad i think my dad said oh it's nice to be important but it's more important to be nice yeah and i've tried to i've tried to live my life that way i've maybe upset a few people but yeah. you know there we are and uh you know that's that's the way it is but um well you've, you've, made, you've made you've made more people stand up from the seat than 
Most yeah, yes, s- screaming at me, supporting me, or abusing me, one or the other. Like yeah. I do laugh. I do laugh when, you know, it's in this political time with all issues about um, all kinds of things that I sit there and the things I've been called. Yeah. One for be one for being Welsh. I know. Uh, our association with a certain kind of animal. You know the abuse that I have had and the names yeah. that I have been called. It's been. And you, t- you know, it's it's wrong, but what it does, it motivates you. And when you when they shout at you and abuse you, you know they're scared of you. Yeah, yeah. And then when you when you when you just calm them down, you know you you you've done them. Yeah. You know, and that gives you greater pleasure because you, know, you, you can help in changing things. But sometimes you can't. Also, Jonathan, doesn't the person who um, who screams at you? Uh, in the stand, if they saw you in the supermarket, they'd, oh. they'd fawn over you and ask you for your yeah. autograph, wouldn't they? Yeah, it's a you know, like um, everyone's brave in a gang. Yeah, you know, I, I remember the word I've had loads of sledging, funny ones um, as well. You know, I love the comical uh, uh, sledging. Um, I think I was in, I was kicking a conversion in one game, and then my wife was was suffering from cancer, and somebody shouted out, "I hope your wife dies," you know, <gasps> you know, in the in the crowd, and you're thinking. How do you how do you kind of focus and carry on like that when that's you know it's so raw because I would leave the house uh, with my wife in the house and then with the children and then go and play in a big rugby match so you'd have to kind of stop forget about that for a minute focus on what you are and then you know go back to you know the house then but yeah it's uh, it's sad it's it's an indictment it's sometimes you can't change people. Something you can't change people. So, and I've always wanted to mix with good people. You know, I I associate, try and do business with friends. Uh, try and spend a lot of time with people you want to spend your time with. My mate told me last week, oh, I tell him, in this lockdown, I'm really missing people. He said, I'm 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 missing people that I don't even like. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, I think you've got to you know it's just about trying to enjoy life and um, you know cracking on the things and enjoying the good times because. Everyone's going to have bad times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's important. Very true. And I think you wouldn't swap it, would you? You're the guy taking the conversion, and then you, you've got some, some low life in the stand shouting things. There's, there's yeah. only one place you want to be, isn't there? You. Yeah, yeah. You know, you want people say, what's it like taking a kick to win a goal or setting yourself up to drop a goal or doing something? Expectation is on you to do something. Uh, you know, you only watched, did you watch the last dance with uh, yes, John? Yeah. You know, yeah. people say, no, he's a bully. He's a bully. You know, it, it's a fine line when you're in that environment. And, uh, you know, he drove standards up. And when it he, when he came down to winning matches, he'd say, give me the ball. And then you can, you can only have the utmost respect for someone like that, right? And I was, and it's the same. You practice on your own for hours. I don't know, you know, I've been out in the winter kicking balls, fetching them on my own, it's chucking it down, you've got mud up to your ankles, and then it all it's all worthwhile when you kick that winning goal on the field and you don't want anyone else to you know to take it because you enjoy the you enjoy the pressure that you know that, that comes with those situations. Yeah. I think there's a we 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 will sign off now. We could talk forever. But funnily <laughs> enough, a guy sent me something last night and it said it said um uh, 50% of what makes Federer Federer is um, because it's that intangible, isn't it? That people like you have 
that um, Jordan had, that Federer had, that it's talent and it's hard work, but there's something in your head. <laughs> yeah, I love I love Federer. You know, Federer, you know, when you listen to people like Henman and McEnroe, and Federer plays the shot that they might they might not play because he goes for everything. Yeah. You know, his and you know, and that's what he wants to win, and uh, he, he plays the shot that he thinks is right. He's not scared to play the big shot, and uh, you know, I mean, I, I am very happy to be kind of you know mentioned in, in the same breath as Federer and Jordan, to be honest. So, uh, but it is, it's it's a messy, yeah. So <laughs> it is, it is what it is. If I I play to put a smile on my face, um, and if I put smiles on people's faces. I, I was happy with that, but ultimately, this, it was there to win. You know, I was on the field to win, and not at all costs, but um, you know, within the laws, that's that's what sports about. And uh, I, I, yeah, I've been, I've been lucky. I've had ups and downs in careers, but I suppose people will remember you for you, you know, you you your good things that you've done, and I've and I've crossed both both codes. I mean, and I've I've met a lot of people up and down the country because of you know rugby league up north, and then. You know, down south and, and in Wales and Ireland, Scotland. So, I, you know, I got friends from all over the world, and I'm, I, I, I do appreciate that I've had, um, you know, I've had a great, a great sport in life, and you know, my health is good at the moment. So, um, we're all, everything's happy. Great. Well, I've really enjoyed this. I would suggest to anybody today <clears throat> or whenever we we put this up, go to YouTube, see the great man for three and a half minutes. <laughs> It'll make your day. Um, and it's made mine chatting to you, Jonathan. You're an absolute legend. Thank you so yeah. much for your time. And any any time again, Pete. If we could, you, know, if you wanna if you wanna ring back and cover something else, just like I've got something on at eleven o'clock. So, uh, but any other time, I'll make I'll make sure I'll uh, I'll, I'll clear the diary. So, because I think this could go on for ages. Well, I had a big list, and I've only got a third of the way through. So, well, uh, we'll do it again. We'll do, we'll do it again. again. Also, you know, I'd like to pick your brains on uh, on on a couple of you know work things and because. Um, it's you know it's, it's quite it's quite enjoyable talking to people from from di different sectors and you and you just you know you learn every day yeah you do great right jonathan have a good day thank you so much cheers thank you very very much take, take care, care thank now. you very Bye -bye. much